0: now we continue with mile high magazine here's your host murphy houston and welcome in it's another edition of mile high magazine we hope you're doing well today this is murphy houston and it's getting to be the end of the year how's your money holding up with this crazy stuff in the stock market so we brought an expert in i have shelly ford with me who is a financial advisor with the pelican bay group of morgan stanley how are you shelly
1: i'm doing well how are you doing I don't know. How am I doing? The stock market's on fire. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> up and down and up and down, right? Yeah.
0: So let's, before we start talking about 2019, and that's really the main reason we brought you in, it just seems like the last couple of weeks, the stock market's not just falling, it's chunking off. Yeah. They're like an iceberg, it's just <laughs> ah, falling. What's going on? Are we scared? Do we need to do something?
1: No, it's a great question. So there's a lot of um, reasons that the stock market is going down right now, but primarily it's news based. And whenever, We see a lot of different things going on in the news that make the markets uncertain. You're going to have volatility. Well, there's a
0: lot going on.
1: There's a lot going on. Things like potential government shutdown, you know, China issues, all sorts of things in the news are causing the stock market to be extremely volatile right now.
0: So why do we react that way without it being reality? They're just stories. Does it mean it's going to happen? It's going to be bad, but we immediately react, it seems like it.
1: Right. It's really good not to have knee-jerk reactions as investors. So it's okay if if the markets want to be knee-jerk, but it's not so good if we as investors are knee-jerked. That's so are you, not a great idea.
0: Are you telling your clients, relax, just take it easy and see how the tide goes? It's going to come back. Are you telling them that now?
1: Yeah, so we're talking to our clients right now about about, first of all, assessing that risk. If you're feeling like, oh my gosh, this is not what I can tolerate, this is not what I can handle, Right. there's nothing wrong with reassessing your risk and deciding to take some of the money that you have in equities and putting them more towards fixed income and being a little safer.
0: And doesn't that, a lot of that does have to do with your age? I mean, if you're in your 40s and 50s, maybe more aware, but if you're kind of in your late 60s and maybe pushing 70, you're kind of set away from that volatility a little bit, aren't you? Or should be?
1: Well, that's that depends on how you set yourself up. So if you're working with a financial advisor who's helped you you know, put a portfolio together, then more than likely you're going to be much more conservative as you get older. Okay, that means that you'll be more in fixed income and bonds and alternatives and less in the stock market.
0: That's, yeah, kind of where I am right now. So the stock market doesn't flame me up too much. But here's another thing uh, that my guy pointed out to me. He said a lot of these problems are the fact that there's so much of these trades are done automatically by computer that it messes up everything. Is that true?
1: That's right. So the institutions are really in control of these mass changes up and down in the markets. And he's basically talking about the analytics based on computer trading, you yeah, know, ETFs. Yeah. And when we have sort of a, a, point where we're supposed to trade, then the market automatically trades. And and there's a little bit of that going on. But honestly, I think that actually we at Morgan Stanley two or three months ago said, hey, look, we see some things changing in the markets. You might want to be a little more conservative because we do see that changing. Although we think that in 2019, it's still going to be a growth year. Really? Yeah, maybe single digits, but still a growth year for one more year.
0: Well, I hope so. I mean, it's been really falling a lot.
1: Lately. It has, and it's very unusual for December. Normally, we see that sort of Christmas bump yeah, where the markets go back up again at the end of the year, but that's not happening no, this year. No, but
0: as you just said two minutes ago, look what's going on in the news. That's I mean, right. It's, just, it's Europe. It's China. It's the wall. It's all kinds of madness, and people react to that, I guess, right?
1: Right, and so we want, as investors, we need to decide, is this okay for us in with our risk tolerance?
0: And what are you telling them?
1: Well, personally, I mean, most of our clients are already invested in the portfolio that they needed to be invested in years ago. So be calm. Right. So <laughs> it's like it's okay, and we might have some cash on hand to be able to invest in future. That's what we do for our clients is raise right. cash so that as the markets go down, we look at it as a buying opportunity.
0: That's true. That's a good point, because things are cheaper, then hopefully they're going to bounce back, and that's when you make the cash.
1: Right. Buy low, sell high. That that's is the idea, right? That,
0: I think that rule's been around a long time, right, Sean? It has been. It really <laughs> yeah. Has. All right. So we've now kind of wrapped up 2018, maybe cleared the air a little bit about uh, what's going on. And maybe people could call you, I suppose, if they have any questions.
1: Absolutely. Let's get Always that number happy to get oh, free yeah. advice. I mean,
0: really. Because that's important. I mean, I'm too stupid to manage my own money. I need help. You so bet. We, we need you. You so bet. So how do they get a hold of you?
1: Um, they can give me a call at 303-925-9734, yep. or they can shoot me an email at s h e l l e y dot forward at com. Yeah,
0: you'll get them in and talk them and bring them down off the ceiling. That's I can right. tell. you got a calm <laughs> demeanor about yourself. So how does the economic outlook going for 2019 as we're wrapping up 2018? What should we be doing or looking for next year?
1: So the overall economy, Morgan Stanley feels, is still going to be in growth mode, although we are looking at different asset classes coming down. So things like international, you might see some big fluctuations in Uh, the bond market. You might see some fluctuations because of interest rates increasing. But in Colorado, um, we're also going to see a little bit of a slowdown in 2019, we think.
0: How so? What's going to slow down? What does that mean?
1: So we feel that the overall Colorado economy is going to slow down for two reasons mainly the U.S. economy is going to get a little bit slower, but also we're going to see interest rates going up and that's going to affect our economy here locally.
0: Really? How about the housing? Is it going to affect housing? It seems to be on fire here in Denver. Just great.
1: Yeah, it definitely will affect housing, I think. Ah. so. And actually we've noticed a little bit of slowing down right now, but there was a terrific um, survey that was done by CU recently. Really? And they talked about the growth of Colorado and how amazing it has been. And We've done a really terrific job of creating jobs here. In 2017, we created 56,000 jobs. And 2018, it looks like we'll be up to 65,000 jobs. That's incredible. It's amazing. So we still have a really good economy. Even if we slow a little bit, I think we're still doing really well.
0: I guess the downside to all that is why all these people are moving here. <laughs> well, I,
1: think the, I think the hardest part is that the companies are having a difficult time hiring. They we have the lowest, one of the lowest unemployment rates in the entire country.
0: Right. I'll bet. And they want qualified people. They need them. Yeah. So they're encouraging people to move here.
1: That's right. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a
0: great place to live besides getting a job. Why wouldn't you come, right? Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. So how should we react for 2019? Just kind of stay the course and maybe have to make some changes, do you think?
1: Well, I think that, um, first of all, again, try not to be knee-jerk reaction, but it is always a good idea to reassess your risk tolerance. If you feel like you're too risky, then take some of that off the table. That's number one. Number two is take a look at your portfolio and see if you're invested in all the different asset classes because that diversification will help you. Right. You know, a lot of people think, oh, we're not going to invest at all in international. But guess what? International is pretty cheap right now. It might be a good place to go.
0: Yeah, because things are not well over there
1: as right well. <laughs> <laughs> International economies are not good are not doing well either but no, no, those no. Are the, you know so but when the US economy goes down typically the international economies can go up but just having that diversification gives you different you know asset classes that will go up at different times
0: which is a good thing uh, talk about the 401ks because that seems to affect maybe more people than basic investors, don't you think? It's easy to get into through your company and you're not sure what to invest. They send you ideas. Maybe you talk to somebody, maybe you don't. But it seems like the stock market situation now really affects 401ks.
1: Sure, it does. Actually, you know, that's a really good point. 401ks are super easy to get into, and yet a lot of Americans don't save in their own 401k plans.
0: Which, yeah, because a lot of companies match. Why wouldn't you take the free money?
1: That's right. So so I'll talk about that in a minute. I think that um, with regards to your portfolio and your 401k plan, it would be a better idea to start with a financial plan. Because your 401k plan is just going to be a piece of that overall financial plan.
0: Exactly. That's a good point.
1: So we'll talk about that in a second. But with regards to saving in your 401k plan, if your company matches, let's say, 4%, there's absolutely no reason in the world that you shouldn't at least be setting aside 4%. You know, we always talk as um, financial advisors, maximize your 401k plan. A lot of people just can't afford that. Right. Right. But at the very minimum, what we should be doing is the match. Yeah, the free money. The free money. I, so if they're matching 3% and you're not at least putting aside 3%, you're not getting the money that they're giving to you. Exactly,
0: exactly. So, so
1: that is super key when it comes to saving.
0: And, but it is a big part of your portfolio, right? The 401k? I mean, you should be really aware of that. Maybe, I don't know, if more. Maybe it depends on your age. I get confused
1: by all of that. Well, it depends on it depends on your saving habits. So there's a lot of folks who have saved primarily in their 401k plan. But we're talking to people now about saving in separate accounts for short term goals like a trip. So we think that if you started automatically investing into a savings account right out of your paycheck. Right. You'll be paying off the things that you're looking forward to doing in the next year. And that gets you really disciplined to be. It's like a financially fit plan for you.
0: That's a great idea. In fact, I I did start doing that. I'll never forget because my wife says, well, you're putting all that money away and we have four kids. And yeah, but someday we're going to be happy about that. And that someday is getting to be now.
1: That's right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) For
0: me, anyhow. And uh, it makes life a little easier. And the discipline factor is huge.
1: The discipline factor is huge. And I think we've forgotten that. You know, 2008 really kicked a lot of people into touch, realizing, oh, my gosh, we're not, this money isn't just there always. So... Saving and not getting ourselves indebted, you know, into debt, that is a huge deal.
0: It is. we were careless, I mean, I'm older than you are, and I remember back in the '70s, people were just careless. I was careless.
1: Well, credit cards did a lot to oh, us. You know the yeah. option of being able to spend whenever we want to spend freely has oh, yeah. caused a lot of people to still be in debt.
0: Well, and, and you're pretty young, but there was a time when you got a credit card that you could write off tax deduct the interest you paid on your credit card.
1: Oh, my gosh. And I,
0: and I think that baited people in, thinking, oh, I can write off the interest I'm paying. That's great. Well, then they stopped that. Yeah. And then it wasn't so great. <laughs> that's <laughs> Because right. the debt was still there. And we should talk about, is it ever too late to start saving for retirement? Because you see this stuff on TV. Oh, by 20, you ought to be doing something. Or maybe you're still good at 50. I don't know.
1: So you, that's a that's wonderful, because it's never too late to start saving. and. This magic of compound interest is amazing. And if you just think to yourself, I could save 20 bucks a week. And $20 a week is like two expensive lattes at a certain, you know. Absolutely correct. Cup of coffee. Yeah, I I, I know where you're going. So um, $20 a week can result in thousands of dollars in your future just with the magic of compound interest. So it's never too late to start saving, but you definitely don't get yesterday back.
0: Oh, no. No, I, I wish I'd have started sooner. But really, if you have kids, college is coming, weddings are coming. You, you don't think about it now if you're in your 30s with young kids, but all of a sudden it's here. That's if, right. And if you're not prepared, it can be shocking.
1: That's right. And it's and if you are young, thinking about things like buying your first home, purchasing a car, things of that nature, these are all goals that you can plan for in a financial plan
0: talking with Shelly Ford. Uh, she's a financial advisor with the Pelican Bay Group of Morgan Stanley. And we're talking about the savings plan. And, and that's the question to you. What is enough? What should I save? What do I need at the end? A million dollars saved? Two million? I, I guess it depends on how much you make along the way. But what's what's comfortable?
1: Yeah, there used to be a rule of thumb. And we did a story recently about how you should save at least you know, 50% of your overall income by age, such and such. But the truth of the matter is it all is dependent on your goals and your spending habits. I don't think that people realize when we do a financial plan, we actually start with your goals and your ideas and and what it is that you want to accomplish in your life. Um, And the one thing that almost always crashes the plan is your spending habits. Sure. So it actually needs to start with a budget.
0: Good luck with that. (laughs) deciding,
1: (laughs) you know, how much do we want to spend? And if we want to spend X amount, how much do we need to save? It all starts with that.
0: Is that old rule of thumb that I know was part of my generation is you should always pay yourself first before you pay the bills and... Whatever, but pay yourself something first.
1: You mean in your 401k plan and or, or w- like Anywhere.
0: That. Put it away in a savings account, but 401k would be the easiest way to do it, obviously.
1: You know, 401k is the easiest, but really anything coming automatically out of your paycheck is is money that you're not seeing. Yes. But in terms of pay yourself first over credit cards, I think that rule has changed. Uh Aha. Because when you think about interest rates on credit cards, and by the way, little tip, you can always call your credit card company and see if they'll lower your interest rate.
0: I have have done that, especially if you've been a customer for a while.
1: Yeah. Most people don't realize that they have the power to pick up the phone and say, I don't want to pay 17%. (laughs) No. And
0: it's because there's so much competition out there. Cards are always saying, oh, we're this, we're going to do this. And they don't want to lose your business, so they will negotiate with you.
1: So I actually think that now with the introduction of credit cards, things have changed. And it's, it's even more important now to do a true financial plan for a couple reasons. For, first of all, only 30% of Americans actually have a financial plan.
0: Is that right?
1: You know, I mean, most of us will go out and we'll go hire a personal trainer to help with our exercising and our eating. But we forget that our finances are just as important.
0: It may be more important
1: to some, you know, to some degree. They're probably second next to health. Right? Well,
0: if you are not smart about money, and I would think most people are not that smart about money, you need help.
1: You do, and and honestly, um, writing down the plan is a huge thing. So, if you haven't ever sat down and gone through the the written exercise of seeing a plan in front of your in front of you, it it is life changing. It will actually help it will help you.
0: Well, it is. It's eye-opening is what it is because I did that very thing and you look down and go, "Really? I, I, what? What are you talking about?" Because you don't think about that. You're you're trying to live through the day, not 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road what you're going to need. You need
1: help. That's right. And the, and your plan can be both for your short-term goals again and your long-term goals. And so if you've never if you've never been on a budget before, for instance, just putting together 3 months worth of your spending habits, can be shocking. <laughs> you know, going out to eat and what you spend on groceries and it oh, allows yeah. you to actually write down helpful tips on how to save money.
0: That's important. Right? And, and it's really like anything else. If you start making that good habit, you'll appreciate it down the road.
1: It is like being financially fit. It's just like exercise. You wow, can do I it like every that. single day.
0: So we should start putting something together for 2019, right?
1: That's right. Well, it's yeah. a great it's a great time to do it
0: exactly you can make some changes now and uh, set a game plan and then try to stick with it that's right so what are you recommending what should we do with our 401k <laughs> so
1: so what we recommend is that you start with a plan so you really start with your goals and your aspirations because a lot of people tend to think that your money is this outside object but it actually should align with you personally if you're if you're socially responsible your 401k plan should reflect social responsibility
0: And you, like at Morgan Stanley, you would help somebody with their 401k. They had a problem that would start like, here's what what we think you should be putting your money.
1: That's right. That's right. We would start, we would look at everything all together as a whole, just like we look at your family as a whole. Right. So we look at everything. We look at your 401k plan. We look at your insurance. We look at your mortgage and your spending habits. We even talk about your estate plan and have you set up things like wills and things of that nature. We don't do that but we remind you that these things are really important.
0: Oh yeah. You, you need to have a will and a a living will. And so there's no problem down the road you hear those stories all the time. Well, there's no will. Does the government get involved? Are they going to take the money?
1: Well, and that's the point. And there's a lot of people who've done their wills or their power of attorney or their healthcare proxy and they've given it to no one. Yeah. So no one actually knows what they want to have done if (laughs) they're in a car accident or something awful. So it's, it's, on the one hand, it's hard to talk about some of these things, but on the other hand, once you're organized, then you can just revisit that plan. You, know, you can
0: adjust. You, you can change. Yeah, yeah.
1: As life changes happen.
0: Well, especially if you have children. When they're younger, you really need some responsibility. As they get a little older and they're off on their own, and it's just uh, you and your spouse, things can change then.
1: That's right. Things change frequently, and, and you should be revisiting all of those plans, at least annually.
0: So I was just going to ask you that question. How often should we look at our plans, not just wills and all that stuff, but everything? Everything. Our life. What? How often? Every five years? Four years? What do you
1: think? Well, you know, again, I like to relate it to exercising. So if you're just getting started for the first time ever doing a budget and creating goals and deciding that you're going to try and save for those goals, you should be looking at your financial plan at least monthly. It's just, it's just a monthly goal to have on your wow, that's a lot on your mirror and say, yeah. okay, remember, I'm planning a trip to Europe and I need to save three thousand dollars for that, right? right. Um, but if you're if you're a little more used to saving and you're you've done this for a while, then at least annually.
0: So, and that annually should be with somebody, a professional such as yourself.
1: Absolutely, it'd be. It, I mean, working with a financial advisor certainly generally re- means that you're as clients are going to be more successful
0: you got to have help. I mean, there's just no, no doubt about it. Cause I tried to do that myself when I was probably in my late twenties. Oh, I can do this. I could not do it.
1: It's, I mean. <laughs> it's always surprising. And you know, actually I'm surprised sometimes when I sit with clients and I get all their information, I put down all the goals of what we want to plan for initially. And I'm like, Oh, you're fine. You have plenty of money. And then I go, Oh my gosh, we actually have to get you on a budget. I'm shocked, <laughs> but we need to we need to change your spending habits so that you can afford health care, for example, in the future. Right. Good you point. Know, long-term care is a really expensive thing to have to deal with, and, and we plan for that.
0: Do you? That's great.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: I have that long-term health care, and it's not cheap. It really isn't, but our goal was always I don't want my kids to have to be spoon feeding me when <laughs> you
1: know, right I, want, I mean just exactly put me someplace. So, yeah. and you know there's either a plan there's always going to be a plan for it so you either actually have a plan or you're gonna wind up taking it out of your portfolio one way or another. yeah
0: and you don't want to do that you should yeah. you, you should have a plan that's the advice I've always heard. you agree with that
1: yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. especially for long-term care so probably the most ex- the more expensive things in life nowadays. That we're having to plan for is living too long so it used to be that yeah. we would die know. you know
0: i know you're right a about little bit that. earlier
1: but now people are living in their 90s and hundreds exactly And you don't ever want to outlive your money
0: no and, and you yeah and you know that health care or that kind of care is never going to go down That's it's right. never going to get cheaper it's
1: never going to get cheaper it's getting no. more and more expensive every year
0: and you can get those in fact i have one of those long-term plans that automatically go up so much per year to hang in there with the cost of that kind of healthcare.
1: That's right. It's a terrific it's terrific if you can actually set a bucket aside just for that type of thing. The other thing that's really going up in prices is, is college tuition. Oh. So that's don't going get up almost started. like I think the average I think the statistics are around 17% in college tuition so f- having 529 plans and things like that When kids are one and two is such a great idea.
0: Yeah. They didn't have those around when my kids went to college. But now that my grandchildren are, we're kind of helping with that. But I look at what my kids paid for college compared to what I'm hearing now. I don't know how the people are doing it. I don't know how they're paying for that.
1: Well, I got to tell you, as a grandpa, if you ever want to give a gift to your grandkids, it actually doesn't count on their FAFSA when they go to apply for college. So it's different coming from you versus their parents.
0: I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, so it's it's a really it's not only a nice gift, but it's actually something that will really benefit your grandkids.
0: Yeah, well, don't tell my kids that they'll be after me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you help my kids? For goodness' sakes. So here's one thing I found uh, when my wife and I were going through all this financial planning and stuff. It's emotional. It I mean, is. it's you're, you're talking change my life, and how do how do you work around the emotions of setting up a retirement type plan?
1: So, so first of all, let's talk about the emotions of the financial plan. We actually want our folks to get into the planning process, so we ask some really unique questions, like you know, just so that we can better understand them. Like, what was their first job and their most influential person? Because, again, your money should align with who you are. Right. As far as the emotions of not wanting to pull out of the stock market quickly, that's really risk tolerance. And that's really where that's you, good point. you really need to just say, okay, I know that I'm in a portfolio that's that's good for me with a target return. You know, we're not looking to do 30% in one year and negative 20%. In that. You want to have a target return for your overall portfolio for everything.
0: Right, right.
1: And that includes, you know, your 401k plan, your savings, your insurance, all of that's part of that target return.
0: It's all, all needed. It is so, all needed. And the younger you do that, the better. Yes, am I right absolutely. about that? I mean, don't wait till you're 50 or 55. It should be what is the prime time? Anytime 20s? We kind of talked about that a little while ago. You
1: know, actually, the earlier you start, the better. Yeah, so, as, pretty soon simple. As, as soon as you have the capability of investing in a 401k plan, or you know, or any type of account, the sooner you start, the better, because of that magic again of compound interest. That's
0: what it is. That's really it, what it is. It doubles, doubles, doubles. And it piles up quickly that way, which I can appreciate. So before we end here, oh, I got a little time. Uh, what are your favorite tips for creating more wealth? That's always important. How can I make more cash?
1: So, so if you actually survey the wealthiest people in America, one of the things that they that they do that we should all be doing is first of all they try to preserve their wealth by saving. So saving can mean everything from taking a grocery list so you're not sh- grocery shopping when you're starving and exactly, thirsty, exactly. Right? exactly. It can mean turning off lights at night. I mean we can do small things to save big, big amounts of money for ourselves. So preserve your wealth. Yeah. Number one, and start saving. Okay. Okay. Um the other things that the wealthy individuals do is that they do have financial plans. They actually have a written down plan showing where they are today and where they want to be in five years from now. That's a that's a big deal.
0: And then you tell them, and here's how you'll accomplish that.
1: That's right. And yeah. we get from A to B. So that's, that's how the wealthy Americans get wealthier. <laughs> and, you know, one other really key note is that they're very good with taxes. So um, they understand that they don't want to pay taxes, and they work really hard to make sure that they're opening accounts that will help them to reduce their tax liability.
0: They seem to find ways to get around that tax thing, don't they? I
1: know a lot of of people. (laughs) I don't know how many actual tax loopholes there are, but that's it's really more about just being tax advantageous. So, for instance, if you have a 401k plan, you're saving money in taxes.
0: Yeah, you are. So
1: that we can all do that. Yeah, you can. But it's
0: also good to have a, a, a pretty good tax person. <laughs> to,
1: oh, and absolutely always consult with the CPA because financial advisors are not CPAs. No, no. Super important to know.
0: <laughs> well, Don, I've had that issue. I've, I do have a CPA and, and they'll say, well, why are you doing that? You should maybe be doing this for tax purposes. Oh, that's interesting.
1: And we work hand in hand with our clients and their CPAs to make sure that we're doing everything right by them. That
0: was going to be my next question. Do you are you like friends CPAs and advisors, or are you we kind try of to be heads as close as friends to them
1: as we can? Because if we need a question answered, like, well, we're thinking about setting up this specific IRA account. Do you think that would be okay for them from a tax perspective? And we want them to answer us back before we make those decisions. So.
0: I get that. I get that. So what do you recommend? I, I don't have a Roth, but what, what what's the difference between a Roth and a 401k? And do you advise that?
1: I think that's, a, that's terrific. If your company offers the opportunity to have a Roth as part of your 401k plan, um, the Roth is basically taking money and setting it aside after tax. And what happens is in the future, it will not be taxed. So in today's world, you've got a 401k, you take 100 dollars aside, you put in your 401k. that goes against your taxes. In other words, you are not taxed for that hundred dollars. The, ra- the Roth is actually after tax money.
0: OK. So but, you won't be double-dipped.
1: But in the future, you'll have this pool of money that doesn't get taxed. Now important to understand that might be changing in 2025 so really? The Roth rules could be changing in 2025 so it's great to have a pool of Roth set up for yourself now.
0: And if you pull the 401k money out, you will be taxed. right. At a certain age. is there a certain age where that doesn't happen anymore? or it doesn't matter then.
1: So generally, we say at fifty nine and a half you can start pulling from your IRA or your 401k accounts. And at that point, you'll be taxed on the money that's taken out. But in the Roth, that's not the case.
0: Wow. Should have done more of that. That's a at pretty, 70, that's a
1: pretty... you're actually required to start taking. Oh, and they
0: still tax you. Even though they're making you take it out, yeah. they're still going to tax you.
1: I mean, there's a couple rules that, that you might not have to do that if you're the owner of a company and you have a 401k. But most of us are going to have to start taking our money and the tax man's going to get their money at oh, some point.
0: Some point they're going to get it. That's right. Here's a question I have for you because I've had this debate with people. Is it smart if you're approaching Social Security? Should you take it, like in our case, based on my age, it would have been 65, or should you max it out to 70 and get that 8% a year to 70?
1: Well, I have to tell you, again, that's going to come out in your financial plan. So whether or not you set up a Roth and whether or not you do X amount in your 401k plan and what time you should start taking your Social Security all comes out in that financial plan. Well, Isn't see, that nice? <laughs>
0: that is, Yeah, that's something I never thought. Well, it is now, but I didn't initially. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, it actually will show you the best timing to take it out because it's all based on your longevity as well. I mean, if you have longevity in your family, maybe it's worth say, waiting yes. until you're a little bit older. But if, if you don't have longevity in your family, it might be better to take it earlier. Take
0: it now. My guys, one of, not the guy I work with, but one of my friends says, why would you give up 8% a year? From 65 to 70, you you can't invest in anything that's going to make you 8% a year.
1: Well, I hope you live to 100, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it just depends on how long you're going to live.
0: I guess it does. Well, Shelley Ford, Morgan Stanley, the Pelican Bay Group of Morgan Stanley, thanks for coming in today. And I suppose if people want some more information or need a little help, that they can reach out to you, right?
1: That's right. We would absolutely appreciate that. And we are so excited that we're talking about this at the end of the year because I feel like it's... Let's get on our health kick diets, and let's get on our financially fit diets all at the same time. Yeah,
0: because people don't think about that, especially, again, younger people. Because my kids are older, and I keep telling them, get doing something. And they might have a 401K. I guess that's better than nothing. That's right. But uh, any final tips before we uh, wrap up here? Something that we can motivate ourselves go well oh, she's absolutely i'm putting her in a spot yeah, yeah, no. No. <laughs> no just be financially
1: fit <laughs> that's all i can think of
0: <laughs> and uh, your definition of financially fit i guess varies from person making to person. sure that you
1: don't run out money when you retire
0: all <laughs> oh, that is so important
1: so important <laughs> yeah, it
0: really is well thanks for coming in today we certainly appreciate
1: it yeah i just love being here thank you yeah you know,
0: shelly ford again that's the pelican bay group of morgan stanley are just Check out with any investor to help you have a plan. That's the key is having a plan. Well, thanks for listening. It's Mile High Magazine. I am Murphy Houston. We hope you have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you very soon. Yeah, probably next weekend right here.